Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share, download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You are not giving up on the Lord Jesus Christ. People, today, first of all, I want to apologize. My voice sounds a little froggy this morning, so I truly apologize for that, but I want to talk about the seventh commandment, the seven out of the 10 that says, you shall not commit adultery. And we see that in Exodus 20, 14, because today I want to give us 30, 30 major Bible verses about adultery where cheating and divorce is concerned. Amen. Because over there on Facebook, aka the Lion's Den, aka my second lovely job that the Lord Jesus Christ has appointed me for that online ministry over there on Facebook. And what I am finding is that whenever I and others do teaching on divorce and remarry, you hear a lot of kicking and screaming, especially from those who are in their second and third marriages where their first covenant spouse is very much alive and Jesus has made it clear in the gospels as well as in the new testament that if you divorce and remarry while your first spouse is still alive Jesus says that you commit adultery the misunderstanding comes into play because from the apostate churches, they have taught as well as other uneducated Christians and non-Christians that if your spouse commits adultery 
while you are, are married, you can get a divorce and remarry. And so upon researching this topic, I see many, many churches and ministries are condoning the sin of adultery under the guise of Jesus do not expect you to be lonely. Jesus does not expect you to be unhappy. Jesus wants you to now be happy in this new marriage, especially if that first marriage was horrendous, abusive, abandonment happened, drugs, uh, child abuse, whatever the case may be, that warrant in your life that you could no longer live with that person. So, to me, it seems like the church leaders are have dropped the ball on this because my hand is raised. I was married three times. My first spouse is very much alive, okay? Because I chuckled because once I got the true understanding of Matthew 19.9, I informed him. You want to know why I informed him? Because he currently is in his second marriage and I... Obviously, am very much alive. So, I want to talk about. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This this grave topic of adultery, because many people <clears throat> and many marriages have broken up behind this. People have lost their families behind this. Children have gone amok because the family structure dissolved behind this, that people could not move on from adultery. People didn't want to uh, face the consequences of their actions behind their adulterous affair. So they chose not to try to work it out. The Bible says that no adulterer will inherit the kingdom of God. And so where marriage and divorce and remarry is concerned, adultery is a huge hot button topic. So like I said, Glory be to God for clarity and understanding and wisdom that once we fully understood, understand, you commit adultery if your living spouse is still alive and you remarry. In my case, I got this teaching after my third divorce. So that means I must remain unmarried. And in my case, glory be to God, that is fine with me because that puts a wonderful guardrail around my life because this area is where 
I miss it the most. That sexual immorality area is what brought me to Christ. So, before we get started, let me take some water and let us pray. Heavenly Father, oh Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we love you and we want you, Father. Help us today in this area of adultery, the sin of adultery. Father, you had told us in the Ten Commandments that you shall not commit adultery. Father, we know that sexual sins send people to hell every single day. Every hour, every minute, people have lifted up their eyes in torment, saying to themselves, why am I here? So, Father, with today's lesson and teaching, please give us clarity. Forgive us of our sins of adultery and sexual immorality, Father. We repent. We repent from every illicit, ungodly, unholy time that we did not honor this body, that we sinned against you. So, Father, show us in your word today what it means to be holy and pure. And let us know, especially those of us in the body of Christ, that this body is the temple for the Holy Spirit. This body is no longer ours. Jesus, your beloved son, paid a huge price to purchase us from the kingdom of darkness. So let us never forget that this body is a sacred temple of the Holy Spirit. And Father, Thank you. Thank you for giving me wisdom and discernment and clarity. Father, I ask for more wisdom today, more discernment today, and more clarity. Show me, Father. Show me the deep things in your word because I want to learn and I pray for my brothers and sisters that they ask for wisdom clarity and discernment and may they turn from their sins may they may they turn back to you father in all holiness and righteousness of heart help us today father thank you for your mercy thank you for your compassion And thank you for choosing us from the foundation of this world. May we we live up to your purpose for our lives. Father, I bless your holy name today. Hallowed be thy name. Make your name great in this earth, Father. May we never be deceived ever again. And I ask this, Father, I ask that the Holy Spirit move on me, 
open my mind, open my spiritual eyes so that I can see the wonderful things in your word. And I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, people. So today we are cracking open. We are cracking. Huh? We are cracking open up the Bible today. Where is the brain cells? So anyway, people, yes, this is a very, very serious topic of adultery. Before I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, I was an adulteress, an adulteress. And while I was married in my second and third marriages, I was an adulteress. Especially when it when it came to the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, where where divorce and remarry was concerned, I got the wrong misinterpretation from the preacher that if my marriage broke up because of adultery, I was in the clear to have a divorce. So. Let us get absolute clarity on adultery according to the word of God. And so we have 30 major Bible verses about this topic, because let me tell you, divorce and adultery are a very common occurrence in the United States and around the world. Nearly all of us. Nearly all of us have a family member that has been affected by either divorce or adultery. Amen. And so this is a topic frequently discussed in scripture. Amen. So what all does it entail? Why is it wrong? Why does this have to do, what does this have to do with marriage, divorce, and even our own understanding of salvation? So, let's take a look. So, what is adultery in the Bible? Okay. Because apparently, church leaders do not know what adultery is in the Bible because they are misleading many, many of God's children astray. So the Bible is very clear that adultery is sinful. So for any pastor to tell a divorced person who is in that second or third or fourth marriage that don't compound the issue of getting another divorce because since you found out that you are in an adulterous marriage, according to Matthew 19.9, just stay in that marriage because you don't want to keep heaping upon yourselves more sins of divorce. As long as, long as you repent of it, Jesus will forgive you because you know his blood covers everything. What, uh, folks, what do we know about repenting from your sin? That means that you confess it, God forgives it, 
and you forsake it. You come up out of it. Adultery is no different. When we tell the murderer that they must confess that sin, repent, and stop killing folks, then that's what it is. The same with the adulterer. Stop sleeping with someone else's spouse. If you repent of it, that means you cannot still be in it, pastor. You should know that. So you are providing false counsel. So the Bible is very clear that adultery is sinful. Adultery adultery is when the covenant of marriage is broken by fornication. And we know that fornication, the Greek word for fornication is porneia. That means illicit sexual relations, to put it nicely. You are having sex with someone who is not your spouse. That is adultery. So we know that when the covenant of marriage is broken by fornication and, and lust, that is adultery. So if you are married, because we have to get this clear because apparently a lot of people don't understand the difference between fornication and adultery. If you are married, you must not engage in any any sexual relationship with anyone but your spouse. Otherwise, that's adultery. If you are not married, you must not engage in any sexual relationship with anyone who isn't your spouse. Because if you do single person sleeping around and you are not married, just sleeping around, that is called fornication. Sexual relationships in any form must be only with your spouse, period. My hand is raised. Oh, I can't tell you how I played the harlot. I played the seductress, the adulteress. Oh, adulterer, you could not tell me, oh, Miss Cynthia wasn't all that in a bag of chips. Glory be to God. Thank you for delivering me, Father. So, period. Marriage is sacred. It is an institution designed by holy God. Marriage is not just a piece of paper. It is a covenant. A covenant by which the only way that it can be completely fulfilled is by death of one of the partners. So, Let's see what the Bible specifically say about adultery. What does it say? Because the sexual immoral and the adulterous, it goes hand in hand. Sexual immorality in any, in any form is sinful and must be avoided. 
Amen. So sexual sins are specifically highlighted in scripture and set apart from other sins. Why? Because sexual sins are not just a sin against God, but also against our own body. Sexual sins also distort and profane the marriage covenant, which is a direct reflection of Christ loving his bride, the church, so much. Christ loved his bride so much that he died for her. Amen. So a distortion of marriage is a distortion of the living, breathing testimony of salvation. Christ Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty that was rightly due to us and he died on that cross and they buried him. But glory be to God on the third day by the work and power of the Holy Spirit, God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. And so there is so much at stake here, people. Adultery and, and other sexual sins are a blatant affront to the proclamation of the gospel. It is slapping all what Jesus has done for us in the face. So in the book of Matthew, hold on. I don't know why I have a dry mouth this morning, but in the book of Matthew, thank you, Holy Spirit, Jesus is discussing the Pornea Code, discussed over there in Leviticus 20, where the consequence is death for both parties. Could you imagine if if Jesus has not died on the cross for our sins and that the Old Testament laws were still in full effect, if you commit adultery, the Bible says that you will be stoned to death. And so that is why people take God's grace as a license to sin, either knowingly or unknowingly, because the fact that people don't get stoned to death, where is the deterrent? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Where is the deterrent to remain holy? That is why it is by faith. It is by faith that we crucify this body because Christ Jesus died for us. And so we no longer live. We, we no longer live out the dictates of the flesh. We no longer live out the lust and the passions that this flesh still wants to hold on to. Christ Jesus lives on the inside of us. He died for us. So by faith, how we now live, we live in total obedience to the Father because of what he has done for us. Through Jesus, he reconciled us back to himself. So going forward, we say no to sexual sins. Amen. And so 
We see Jesus discussing the Pornea Code discussed in Leviticus 20, where the consequences is death for both parties. In this passage, all sexual sins. That that includes incest, incest, masturbation, lust, bestiality, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, all sexual expressions outside of the selfless love found in the covenant of marriage are called sinful. All of it. Every last drop of it. So number one, because we're going to talk about 30 Bible verses about adultery. Number one, Exodus 20, 14. You shall not commit adultery. Number two, Matthew 19, 9. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and we know that sexual immorality is translated from the word pornea we get the word pornography from that that means fornication that means sexual contact relations with someone who is not your spouse. And Jesus says that except for sexual immorality, which is not adultery. I have done many, many episodes on the podcast about divorce and remarry. And what did Jesus has to say? So we're not going to get into the full blown teaching behind that. But Jesus word stands. He says that except it be for fornication and marries another commits adultery. Every time you sleep with that new spouse of yours, Jesus says that you commit adultery each and every time you sleep with that person. And then he says, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. So if you are single and you marry someone who is divorced and their spouse is alive, you too, first time married person, commits adultery as well. Why? Because they are committing adultery because their spouse is still alive. Well, that's not fair. So what? These, this is the command coming from Jesus. Amen. Number three, Exodus 20, 17 says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. That means stop lusting after someone else's wife, husband. Okay. You got your own wife. Be happy with what you got. Stop lusting and covenant and wishing that you can have uh, Jim's wife. Amen. Number four, Hebrew, Hebrews 13, 4 says, let marriage be held in honor among all. Amen. And let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexual immoral and adulterous. He will judge you for that. Amen. So I must keep my hips out of sexual sins. Amen. Listen. This is not an option, but you don't understand. Bob beat me up every day and he cheated on me. Okay. Just like God has forgiven us. 
we we must forgive those who have harmed us and hurted us. Now, this is the choice. This is where we make big decisions in our lives. Listen, if you feel for whatever reason that you cannot live with this person, well, then guess what, child of God and sinner, because this applies to you too, then you must remain unmarried. Yeah, but don't I deserve a second chance at happiness? Do you think that that lake of fire is is not real? Do you think that God is playing with that lake of fire? Listen, as far as eternity is concerned, okay, nobody gives two flips about feelings over there in the lake of fire. I can assure you the people who are in hell right now, who are awaiting the final judgment, okay, wish, pray that they could say no to the flesh. Amen. So it is not about our feelings. Well, I deserve happiness. No, you keep up with that mindset and you will deserve the lake of fire. People, we must repent. Okay. Okay. We have to look at the bigger picture. You ain't going to live forever. Miss Missy, well, I deserve happiness. So I'm getting married or the one who who are in, the ones who are in the second and third marriages say all the time, I am not going to break their hearts. These people love me. They are counting on me to be there for them. So no, I am not going to leave this marriage. Jesus understands that I deserve happiness. No. You deserve the lake of fire if you turn your back. Listen, if if we do not obey this gospel, God has made it clear in his word that you will face eternal separation from him in the lake of fire. And that's the facts. Amen. And so number five, Mark 10 11 to 12 says, and he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man, she is committing adultery. Listen, Jesus can't be any more clearer on this issue. What gets muddled is the false teaching of it. You got these pastors on paper, online, saying that that is not a sin. That as long as you repent of it, as long as you are a Christian, your sins will be forgiven. Pastor, again, what part of you must come out of your sins are you not getting? You are putting people back on the road back to hell. What you mean they can stay in this adulterous marriage? Why? Are you in your second or third marriage? Or are you so scared of them leaving your your church along with their pocketbooks 
That's why you are tickling their ears with this nonsense because what else could be the reason? It must be a money thing, right, Holy Spirit? Or you yourselves are in your second and third marriages and sad to say that is the case. You have pastors right now stepping up to the pulpit every week with their second and third wives sitting in the front pew talking about, oh, this is First Lady Pam now. Um, What happened to First Lady Robin and uh, First Lady Cheryl? Well, I had to put them away. But right here, First Lady. Y'all need to repent. Number six, here we go. Luke 16, 18. Everyone... Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he who marries one who is divorced from a husband commits adultery. Lord Jesus, you cannot be any more clearer on this issue. Number seven, because we're talking about 30 Bible verses about adultery, especially when it comes to marry and divorce and remarry. Amen. So number seven, Romans seven verses two to three says, for example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. Let me say that again for the people in the back, kicking in the screaming. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law that binds her to him. Verse three, so then. If she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulterer if she marries another man. And that's the teaching of the Bible, people. Now, God is patient. He is patient with us in our ignorance. I didn't, I didn't know that this what it truly meant because I was searching for some answers to justify this second and third marriage. So I found, like the Bible tells us, I found teachers. I heaped upon myself those pastors who said that. As long as that person cheated on you, committed adultery while in the marriage, it is free and clear for you to remarry. So I stuck with them. I stuck with them because I thought they were telling me the truth. Why? Because I myself was too lazy to search out the scriptures for myself. Because if I, 
if I had done any due diligence where scriptures were concerned, I would have gotten this understanding and I would not, number one, have gotten divorced the first time. I would have, I would have been saved. I would have been in this word knowing that no matter what is happening in that marriage to stick it out because the understanding is that if I choose to divorce or he choose to uh, divorce and either one of us is still alive, we must remain unmarried. So with that being the case, because you know how people love to have sex, they want companionship, they want to have more kids, well then that's the incentive to forgive and work it out no matter what. Unfortunately, we get the understanding later. And so I know for me personally, it's a blessing that this understanding came in my life right now because who knows, I would have been on my fourth marriage. Because why? I love love. I love to be in love. I love for people to love on me. And obviously, we like to have intimate relations with the people that we love. We love to demonstrate in the physical how much we love these people. So I know for me, uh, who knows, I could have been on marriage number six by now, knowing my track record. Let me not get started about me, because you see, I must get the plank out of my eyes. Amen. Before I exhort and encourage anyone, especially where this area is concerned. Amen. So we know that adultery begins in the heart. Adultery occurs in the head long before it occurs in the bed. Because in Matthew, Jesus is taking the seventh commandment up a notch. Jesus is saying that adultery is so much more than just going to bed with a person who isn't your spouse. It is a heart issue. Amen. The seventh commandment is much more than you ticking off a box on the rules list. Jesus is saying lustful intent is the same thing as adultery. The physical act of adultery is just the external. It is the external consummation of internal sin. Amen. This sin always begins in the heart, people. No one, listen, no one just falls into sin. It is a slow, slippery decline into sin. Amen. Sin is always born in the depths of our wicked heart. That is why Jeremiah 17, 9, 10 tells us that the heart, it is deceitful above all, above everything else, and it is desperately wicked. Amen. So number eight, with that in mind, Matthew 5, 27 to 28 says, you shall, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. This is Jesus speaking. But I say to you 
But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Number nine, James 1, verses 14 to 15 says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. See the progression? And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Amen. Because we know Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Amen. So it starts in that heart. Because James 1.14-15 just showed us the progression. It says, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust because it starts in his head. His thoughts are carrying him away about how, oh, fine, Sheila looks today. And every time he sees Sheila with that brick house, all kinds of lustful thoughts are are running rampant through his mind. And so when he takes action on it, it it gets conceived, all that lustful thoughts, it is conceived. And what's going to happen? It's going to give birth to sin. He is now going to act out on those lustful thoughts and desires he has been having this whole time in his heart. And once he do that, if he doesn't repent, he will face eternal separation from God the Father in the lake of fire after being in hell, being tormented in the flames. Amen. So this is serious business, folks. We can't keep playing around in these sexual sins. It is not sexy. So number 10, Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, deaths, false witness, and blasphemies. So that's all what's going on in that heart. And the last place you want to ask Jesus is to come into that heart. Amen. Sinner man, sinner woman with that unbiblical sinner's prayer. Talking about Jesus coming to my heart. Oh, absolutely not. So why? Why is adultery a sin? Well, adultery is a sin first and foremost because God says it is. Amen. So we can just shut the podcast down right after that period. It is a sin because God says so. He said it's a sin. God gets to decide the parameters on marriage since he created marriage. Adultery is an outward proclamation of several sins. Lust, selfishness, greed, and covetousness. Amen. So in a nutshell, people, all sexual immorality is idolatry. God alone deserves to be worshipped. And when we choose what feels right, 
instead of what God says is right. We are making an idol of it and worshiping it instead of our creator. But also adultery is wrong because of what marriage represents. So let's see what scripture talks about what marriage represents. Number 11, Matthew 19, 4 through 6 says, And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? This is Jesus talking to them Pharisees. And said, For this reason, a man shall a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so then they are no longer two but one flesh therefore what god has joined together let let not man separate let not man separate let no man put asunder I can tell you this, Jesus could give two flips about divorce courts. He don't care what man has separated. He just finished telling us, God said, let no man put asunder. Y'all two separate people are now one flesh. You stood before God under the covenant of marriage. Lord knows I prayed. I wish I have gotten this understanding before I even got married because the mindset would have been completely different because for the most part, all of us go into a marriage, especially in the 21st century with the mindset of that if it don't work, then I'll leave. That's why we have all of these prenups. That's why we have all these clauses. That is why we don't have the the fortitude to stick it out no matter what happens. Now, obviously, God calls us to live in peace as best as possible as we can. So obviously, if this person is trying to kill you and they mean it, okay? I mean, they got the gun to your head and they pulled that trigger. But glory be to God, it got jammed, okay? That's not a person that you need to be around, especially if you got some kids. This man is local crazy or that woman is local crazy and they mean business. Okay, they mean business. They got all kinds of demons in them. If your situation is that unique, all I'm saying is that you need to pray. You need to pray and ask God for wisdom and clarity. Amen. So the sacredness of marriage, because in the 21st century, people are so flippant about being married. That's why I am, I am going to encourage my youngest son, because the older, the older one, he's married. My 11-year-old, 
oh, I'm going to be, thank you, Holy Spirit, right? I'm going to work with the Holy Spirit to let him know if you get married, you better pray. If you got to fast, whatever it takes to get the clarity and the authorization from God that that's the woman for you. Okay, and that she's going to be with you for life because that's what it is. Because since I already know, oh, I already know about how, oh, you must stick this out on the first go round. So, yeah, these scriptures is going to be what I shall plaster them on his wall, right? Amen. So the sacredness of marriage, because listen, sex is not just a physical act to bring pleasure or to create the next generation. The Bible clearly teaches that sex was given to us to make us one flesh with our spouse. Yada, Y-A-D-A, is the Hebrew word used in the Old Testament to describe marital sex. It means to know and to be known. This is so much more than just a physical encounter. The word sakab, S-A-K-A-B, is the word used to describe sex outside of the covenant marriage. It literally means an exchange of sexual fluids and is also used to describe the mating of animals. So marriage reflects the love Christ has for the church. The husband is to reflect Christ, the servant leader, the one who gave up his own will to serve for the good of his bride. The bride being the companion to work alongside of him and to follow his leadership. Amen. Sex was given to us for companionship, procreation, intimacy, pleasure, and as a reflection of the gospel and of the trinity. Sex was ultimately designed to draw us to God. Amen. The Trinity are individual persons, but one God. They retain all of their individuality, yet are unified as a singular deity. Each person of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, never uses the other for selfish purposes or gain. They only seek the glory of each other while simultaneously not diminishing the dignity of each other. This is why sexual sins are wrong. Sexual sins dehumanize and depersonalizes people by turning them into objects. And that is why the porn industry is uh, raking in billions. We can't begin to tell you the men and women who are being dehumanized up there on the screen. Amen. Because they are nothing more than sex objects. So, sexual sin at its core. Because you see, we must get this teaching. 
We must and we cannot no longer treat sex as something so flippant. There, there can't even tell you about the soul ties that once you sleep with this person who have slept with that person and that person slept with that person on and on it goes. And then when you meet up with that person and when they meet up with you with all of your sexual soul ties, it's disgusting. When you look at it spiritually and physically, it's disgusting. Amen. And so sexual sin at its core is about self-gratification. Listen, God designed sex to be a communion of two self-given people. Thus, sex within marriage reflects the, the relationship of the Trinity. Permanent, loving, exclusive, and self-given. So, number 12, 1 Corinthians 6, 15 to 16 says, Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be, Paul is saying, or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one is one body with her? For he says that the two shall become one flesh. So, yeah, now we as members of the body of Christ sleeping around and you want to bring that to Jesus. So so what, are we saying that Jesus is now sleeping with a prostitute? Absolutely not. Number 13, 1 Corinthians 7, 2 says, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. Amen. So if each man and each woman have their own spouse, then there should be no need for all of this sexual immorality. Amen. Number 14, because we counting down to 30 Bible verses about adultery. So Ephesians 5, because we see how the Bible describes marriage as, as Christ and his bride. Amen. And that is no, that is, that is so clear over here in Ephesians 5, 22 to 31. Where it says, wives, <clears throat> wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. Can't we see the analogy? Can't we see the analogy how Christ is like in marriage to his relationship with us, the church? So, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a wonderful model of marriage. Listen, if we all follow this, follow this, this model here, there will be no divorce. There will be no adulteries. 
Amen. So, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might, what, sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church and all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Amen. So husbands, so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body for this reason. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. I love Ephesians 5. I love it. I love this, this wonderful parallel and analogy of marriage and church and, and Christ and his church. Amen. So, got a question for you. How do you avoid adultery? How to avoid adultery? Question mark. We avoid adultery and other sexual sins in the same basic way. We seek to avoid them. Amen. We flee. We flee from them and focus on scripture. We keep our thoughts captive and guarded and keep our minds busy meditating on the word. Not meditating on that fine brother across the street. Not meditating on Sheila with that brick house. Absolutely not. No, we busy our minds by meditating on the word. Practically, we do this by not developing, okay? Not developing a significant emotional attachment to the opposite sex. Absolutely not. We make no provisions for this flesh. So that means turn off the TV from all of those sexual fornicating shows. Stop going down to the club where everybody is naked, grinding on each other. Stop pining away for the ex that got away who do not want to come out of that second marriage. They don't want to hurt the person they are now with. Move it along. You must move forward. Amen. Because the scripture says that if you do divorce that person and that person is still alive, you must remain unmarried or reconcile. If reconciliation is not possible, then you must remain unmarried. That means do not form friendships and, and girlfriends and boyfriend type relationships because eventually sex, sex is going to come up. Feelings are going to start develop. 
then all of a sudden, all the teachings of Jesus is going to go out the window. Heavy petting, kissing, uh, intimate conversations, you getting to know him, he getting to know her. Everybody has all this stuff in common. Feelings will develop. So that is <clears throat> that is why we must not develop significant emotional attachment because they will place us in potentially tempting situation. Listen, this situations, this is the wisdom from God today. No one, listen, no one is above sin. No one who has committed adultery just stumbled into it. Because that's not how that works. It is not, listen, it is not a hole in the road that you, oh, oh, I just stumbled into someone's bed who is not my spouse. Absolutely not. Listen, adultery happens by giving, by giving in a little wiggle room at a time. A little wiggle here, a little wiggle there, a few too many glances, a few too many shared moments, a few too many private encounters. Listen, folks, this is a slippery slope. Listen, all of these husband wives down at the job. Oh, Bob is my a work husband. Oh, well, Sally is my work wife. That is from the pit of hell. There is no such thing as a work wife. You, listen, anytime you are sharing intimate conversations with someone who is not your spouse, it will lead to adultery. Emotional adultery is just the same. You should not be holding court, giving into confidence, confidence with anybody who is not your spouse and for the life of me. Stop telling these men and women your marital problems. That is between you and them and God. Okay? Because that's all it takes for the Jezebel at the workplace to hear you having problems back at home. So she will set her sight into wooing you. Wooing you that, oh, she could be a better wife or she could be a better uh, a better bed partner. Stop it. Stop with all of this office romances. Because let me tell you, my hand is, is raised. That's where it started for me, down at the office. So, number 15. Listen, we must be diligent because that's a slippery slope. It happens inch by inch. So stand your ground, people. Number 15, Hebrews 13, 5 says, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That means be happy with what you got. Okay, be happy with what you got. And that is why there is no rush to get married. That's why you must vet. That, that means that, that you, you must pray. Okay, because we can't go off our own understanding. Oh, he's fine. Oh, I'm going to marry him. Meanwhile, he don't know how to keep a job. He's horrible with money. He got anger issues. He got mama issues 
issues. He a whole bunch of issues, but he's fine. And that's all you were looking at when you walked down the aisle with Mr. Fine. Come on now. We have to have discernment. We have to look for red flags and everything. So number 16, right? First Corinthians 10, 12 to 14 says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands, take heed that he does not fall. Amen. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Amen. Listen, this scripture is like, listen, being tempted by adultery is common to man. Everybody has been tempted by it. But guess what? God gives us an out. The problem is no one takes the out. God says, okay, you know what? Instead of going up to the fifth floor copying machine, because that's where Sheila is, okay? No, you go to the one on the second floor because, see, down there is no Jezebels, no harlots to tempt you away from your wife. He, he already put in your head second floor. But you in your flesh is saying fifth floor. And then we... Then we wonder what happened to Stephen and Cynthia's uh, marriage because he didn't know how to do the second floor because God told him second floor. God always gives us an out so that that temptation don't overtake you. But we must, we must heed to those out. Amen. Number 17, we're getting down to 30. Hebrews 4 15 to 16 says, for we do, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet. Yet Jesus was without sin. Amen. Verse 16, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Listen, if we are tempted, we don't give in to that temptation. No, we go to the throne of grace. Father, help me. Put this temptation away from me and listen when the Holy Spirit gives you the out. He will give you the out because, listen, we have a high priest. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points, all of it. Everything that we have been tempted with, Jesus also was tempted with the same thing. But you see, thank you, Holy Spirit. He is our example. What did Jesus say when the devil tempted him? It is written. It is written. It is written. If you are not spending time in the word of God to see what is written, when Sheila comes by with that brick house down from the fifth floor, 
Okay, you ain't got nothing to stand on. You ain't got no grace. You ain't seeking help from the Lord. Nothing. All you see is breasts, hips, and thighs. So, number 18. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says to what? Flee. Like, jo- <laughs> right? Like Joseph. J- Joseph fled from Potiphar's wife. Okay. It says over here, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Amen. Number 19, Proverbs 5, verses 18 to 23 says, So be happy with your wife. And find your joy with the woman you married. That's who you find your joy in. You don't find it in with Bob. You don't find it in with Sheila. No, you find it in with your own spouse. Amen. So it says, be happy with your wife and find your and find your joy with the woman you married. Pretty and graceful as a deer. Amen. That's the one you married. Sheila can't outdo your wife. Don't let Sheila outdo your wife. You go home and be blessed with the woman that God has given you. You prayed for her. So you mean tell me it only takes one booty skirt to to turn your head? Absolutely not. No, your wife is pretty and graceful as a deer. Let her charms. Let her charms keep you happy. Let her surround you with her love. Son, why should you give love to another woman? Why should you prefer the charms of another man's wife? The Lord sees everything you do. You heard that? The Lord sees everything you do. Wherever you go, he is watching. (laughs) Okay? All right, he is watching. The sins of the wicked are a trap. They get caught in the net of their own sin. They die because they have no self-control. Their utter stupidity will send them to the grave. No, will send them to their graves. Amen. Look, listen, we don't have to guess at life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We don't have to guess at this. The Bible gives us clear-cut instructions about life and how to live it. The problem comes into play like it tells us when we lean on our own understanding, we think it's going to be okay to have lunch with Sheila every day. We think that it'll be okay to meet Bob down in the break room every day and don't think that nothing is going to happen. It will happen. Be happy with your own spouse. Let them love you. Seek their love. Amen. That way families don't get separated. You don't go to hell because then you're going to want to get married again to try this one more again. While your while your spouse is still alive and you feel, well, they cheated on me. I was dutiful. I was home. I was cooking every day, cleaning, doing his laundry. How dare he cheat on me? So you know what? I'm going to find me somebody that's going to make me happy. 
Okay. You better understand. The choice that you make against the word of God will send you straight to hell, people. Amen. So, speaking of which, biblical punishment for adultery. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That is a perfect segue into this. Listen. Okay. In the Old Testament, the death penalty, the death penalty was given to both parties who committed adultery. In the New Testament, we are warned that those who live in a continual unrepented lifestyle of sin, including sexual sins, may not have ever been saved to begin with. Yep, there are numerous verses that explain the danger of sexual sins. Adultery will leave scars. I wish you all can see my hand. Okay, adultery will leave scars. The sacred covenant has been violated and hearts have been broken. Number 20, come on, we we, we getting down to it. Let me see how much time I got left on the clock. Let's see, where we at? Okay, okay. Listen, sometimes we run over time. Sometimes it is needed. We must get these teachings because if you can if you can spend three hours watching the ball game okay you can you can take an hour and a half of some sound teaching from the word of god amen amen okay number 20 leviticus 20 verse 10 says if a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife both the man and the woman who have committed adultery must be put to death. Amen. You heard that? Verse, uh, number 21. Number 21, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And I love this scripture. You want to know why? Because it keeps me focused. It keeps me focused as a reminder that all fornicators, all adulterers, all all the sexual immoral people will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let's see what it says. First Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Okay, listen. Everybody up in them second and third marriages, you are deceived to think that just because you say that you repented, everything should be fine with God and that you can stay in that sin. No, adultery is a sin. So what? You are happy with your second spouse. So what? That doesn't negate the fact that if you die in that moment, you will go to hell. As you await the final judgment at the great white throne where you will hear how your name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life and you will be thrown into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone forever and ever, day and night. The smoke of your torment will go up forever and ever and ever. Listen. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Amen. So, 
Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. That means men who like to dress up in women's clothing and have sex with other men. Okay? Nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. And those are those with those slanderous tongues, okay? Nor swindlers, them are your con men, will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. Amen. I was counted among this list. You were accounted, um, you were counted among this list as well. But it says, such were some of you, but you were washed. But you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of God. Amen. We ain't got no business back in sexual sins. Amen. Number 22, Hebrews. Yeah, we are cracking open the Bible today, folks. Amen. Hebrews 13, 4 says, let the marriage bed be held in honor by all and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. Why? For God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Amen. Number 23, Proverbs, Proverbs 6. Hold on. These scriptures are wonderful for us. <clears throat> Amen. Proverbs 6, 28 to 33 says, Can anyone walk on red hot coals without burning his feet? So it is with a man who has sex with his neighbor's wife. None who touch her will escape punishment. People do not despise a thief who is hungry when he steals to satisfy his appetite. Verse 31, but when he is caught, he has to repay it seven times. He must give up all the possessions in his house. Verse 32, whoever commits adultery with a woman has no sense. And that is why the book of Proverbs is God's wisdom written down. He says that we who commit adultery has no sense. Whoever does this destroys himself. Verse 33, an adulterous man will find disease and dishonor and his disgrace will not be blotted out. Amen. <clears throat> This scripture right here covers everything about adultery. It is nasty. It is defiling of yourself. It is a sin against God. It brings disease and dishonor to you and disgrace. Your disgrace will not be blotted out. Y'all keep playing. Just like I was playing, I thought God was playing with that lake of fire until he gave me the big fat memo that if I don't stop it, that is exactly where I shall go to. So that is why I be screaming aloud and sparing not on this podcast. We must wake ourselves up. Sin will send you straight to hell. Listen, we need Jesus. We need all of him. 
We need all of the sacrifice he's done on our behalf. We need all of the atonement of the sins on, on our behalf. We need all of the reconciliation he has done on our behalf. We need all of the peace that he has provided between us and God. Now, we need all of the mending of the relationship that we broke. We need all of it, all every jot and tittle of the gospel. We need, listen, this is serious business. Sin will send you to hell, all sin. All of it. So what? You're happy now in that second marriage. So what? That's not going to amount to a hill of beans. When you alone is in a burning hell with absolute crystal clarity. Oh, that's what Jesus meant. Oh, you understand it now that he says that if your spouse is still alive and you remarry, you will go to hell. Because you don't want to repent. You don't want to give up the comfortability of your new life. You love this person. They love you. You have a whole new situation going on. So what? I'm telling you. I am telling you from every love fiber in my being. You will regret this. There will be gnashing and there, there will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth in hell. You will regret your decision. You will regret this and it will be forever because you see, hell is temporary. Okay. Once Jesus comes back, hell will be empty out of all the inhabitants who just wanted to hold on to their sins, who didn't want to know God, who didn't want Jesus' sacrifice on their behalf to wash away their sins. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins, but if you don't want him and if you don't respond to the gospel with a resounding yes, well then guess what? You will have to pay for your own sins and you... Telling y'all, because see, I don't need to have to be in hell to understand that this is real. There are people right now in hell begging for another chance. The Bible t tells us about Lazarus, how, how Lazarus is in hell. And the conversation he had with Father Abraham to go and tell his brothers, don't come here to this place. Because see, now he got the memo. Now he got the clarity. But now it is too late. And it will be too late for you too if you don't come out of your sins. We must stop sinning and turn back to God. And that is for myself as well. Amen. So... Another question on the floor is adultery grounds for divorce. Because you see, that's where everybody is screaming about, oh, so-and-so cheated on me. That's why I got a divorce because I ain't staying with that situation. So is adultery grounds for divorce? Listen, the bottom line is this, and this is going to be in closing. God offers forgiveness and is eager and willing to forgive sinners who have repented. Adultery does not always mean that the marriage cannot be saved. 
God can restore a broken home. Marriages can be saved. Marriages was designed in the beginning to be permanent. Amen. Because we see number 24, Malachi 2.16 says, I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And the one who is guilty of violence, says the Lord, who rules over all, pay attention to your conscience and do not be unfaithful. Amen. Number 25, Matthew 5.32 says, but I tell you, Jesus is speaking. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, that's fornication. Like I explained in a previous podcast, Jesus Jesus says that except it be for fornication, that means that while you two were engaged, not married yet, but engaged, and then once you all have gotten married and it came out that while y'all were engaged, someone cheated. He cheated on you. He had uh, an um an adult no um an illicit sexual encounter with someone else that he wasn't married to. Okay. After the marriage, it came out. Maybe old girl rings your doorbell, she has a baby. Y'all get a paternity test, come to find out, yup, that's Stephen's baby. So Stephen cheated on his fiance, but she didn't find out about all of this until after you all got married. Jesus says, for that reason, you can divorce. If it's for any other reason that you divorce outside of that scenario, outside of fornication and you remarry, Jesus says that you commit adultery because he says here, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, he didn't say adultery because that's different. He said for fornication, that's different. He says, except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. You want to know why? Because she is going to want to get married. And the fact that you are still alive, you are going to make her an adulteress. So look, it says, right, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a a divorced woman commits adultery. Number 26, Isaiah 6 Uh, Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me, this is Jesus, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So we see that Adultery hurts. It breaks heart. 
You feel like giving up. You have no hope. You are devastated. You cannot believe what's happening to you right now. You are broken. You you are shattered. You are mad and angry. You are tearing up the place. Why is this happening to me? I love this man. I love this woman. How could they cheat on me? And you're depressed. Some want to commit suicide. But Jesus, he gives us beauty for our ashes. There is hope. There is restoration. Number 27, John 8, 10 to 11 says, when Jesus has raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go, comma, and sin no more. Amen. So we see that Jesus is close to the brokenhearted and he forgives us. So what is spiritual adultery? Because spiritual adultery is unfaithfulness to God. This is a sin that we so easily slip into. It is when we have a devotion to to things of this world, to seeking after what our feelings dictate, instead of seeking God with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole soul, and our whole body. Listen, we are all guilty every moment of spiritual adultery. We cannot love God as wholly and completely as we should. Why? Because we got our affections on everything and on everyone else. So 28, and this is in conclusion, Ezekiel 23, 37 says, for they have committed adultery and blood is on their hands. They have committed adultery with their idols and even sacrificed their sons whom they bore to me, passing them through the fire to devour them. Amen. So God's word says that we are to be holy and pure. Our lives are to reflect his truth and we are to be set apart. We are to be a set apart people, a living, breathing testimony. Amen. I got two more and I'm going to let y'all go. Number 29 of 30 Bible verses about adultery. We are looking at what God says about adultery, not what the false pastor says, not what our flesh thinks adultery is. Amen. First Peter 1 15 to 16 says, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Amen. Last but not least, number 30, Galatians 5, 19 to 21. And these are the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, enmity, strife, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, 
drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me say it again for the peanut gallery in the back. I warned you as I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your holy word today. Thank you that we have absolute crystal clarity about what it means that adultery is a sin. Whether or not we do it as married people, as as divorced people up in these, these second and third and fourth, fifth marriages, Father, forgive us today. Forgive us for our willful affront against you. Forgive us for each and every time that we committed fornication, adultery, all acts of sexual immorality. Forgive us, Lord. We repent. We repent. We do not want to be separated from you in the lake of fire, which is the second death. Have mercy on us all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, folks, all right, another one in the can, an hour and a half. Thank you. Thank you for hanging in there with me. Thank you for your continued support of this podcast. This is not my podcast. This is the Holy Spirit's work in my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, until next time, repent, stop sinning, Believe that Christ Jesus died for your sins. Turn back to God and respond with a resounding yes to the gospel. Amen. And going forward, obey God in everything that you do. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Until next time, I'll be talking to you soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye